We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined as always by Mike. Darius is out again, and because of that, we're going to have a little bit of a different pod. We've got a few different topics, basketball-related, where we really want to get into, but we want Darius to be here for as many of those as can be. And so in the absence of that, I'm really curious to know more about your story, Mike, about how you joined the team. Kind of, There are a lot of people that are listening to the show that are aspiring content creators and hearing different people's journeys on the way to that, I think is really informative. So just what was your path to get to this point? Well, we can we can do that, Pete, uh, but just don't think you're <laughs> off the hook because we, we will be bringing you and your path into this as well. But, you know, I the real the shortened version of my story is that I always wanted to cover sports. And so I started out probably like a lot of people when they were little thinking that I was going to be a professional athlete. And I, so I played baseball, basketball and soccer. And I you know, this is the level of of. Um, intellect that I had in the eighties and early nineties was, Oh, look, John Stockton, that doesn't look that hard, right? What he's doing. Like when I was in like sixth grade, you <laughs> sure, know, sure. and I think, Oh, I can, cause I'm not going to be Michael Jordan. I, I'm not going to be six, six and, um, and all that. So I thought for a while that was kind of my early path. And then in, in kind of growing from my love for the game that way, and specifically with the NBA, I fell in love with Bob Costas and the NBA on NBC the and Pete, I know you know these, but the pregame, like the video package. Oh, they were so good. Oh, were just it's incredible. So it's so funny yeah. you bring up Costas because now that you mentioned that, I totally hear his influence on you. And yeah, they they would always make that game an event. That I missed that oh, so much. It was, it was amazing. Minute long uh, video packages were so good. Yeah, and sometimes sometimes they'd be five minutes, sometimes they'd be a minute, and then once the game started, you know, it was Marv Albert. And then eventually, so Kevin Harlan, the one that when the Timberwolves started, they got Kevin Harlan. And I'm and, and like, so much in the same way that you guys were able to grow up with Chick in, in the incredible way that he spoke about the game and probably really influenced. I actually, I know, influenced your love for it. You're in Darius and, and every other Laker fan. 
you know, I got a lot of that excitement and fun from Harlan. So Costas, more of a reporter who did some play-by-play, um, that did hosting, and then Harlan, who was just more pure play-by-play. And so th- these were kind of influences that I w- I've been thinking as I get a little older, how can I be in this kind of spot where essentially my job is to go to these basketball games? And that could have extended some to some other sports as well. Uh, but that that was kind of where the home base was. So I just pursued the path that I thought would give me the best chance to do that. And uh, so that was going through school. And I ended up going to Northwestern in part because of the journalism school and in part because I could play soccer there. And then afterwards, I had any number of internships and jobs that eventually led to the Lakers. So that was the idea, though, right? It started at an early age. I fell in love with it and tried to figure out the path uh, to get to that point. And so was it similar at all for you in in kind of that early love affair? And because you went a different way, right? With your career. And now you've come around to back to your passion. Man, I've I've lived like three or four different lives. That's one of the fun things about working with you is that you, you know, you went to Northwestern Journalism School. You like our routes to getting to where we are are completely different. And it's it's fun. And I think that it's informative to people that are trying to do this, that there's more than one way to do it. And before I get too deep into my story, I want to uh, follow up on on yours in that a lot of people find themselves in that spot where they've gone to school, they've got their degree or they're in the process of getting it. And many of our listeners are in that position right now, too. That spot between like, OK, I've I've done this. I've gone to the journalism school. How do you translate that? Like, how do you get a freaking job in this industry when it's so competitive? Yeah, it's a it's a, a question, right, that I think that I've tried to answer in a lot of different ways for years. And for me, like my own individual situation was is going to be different from anybody else's. But my like that's part of the reason for me that I went to Northwestern. And again, none of these paths are perfect. Everyone's a little bit different. But I did think that was going to give me at least somewhat of an edge when I was trying to find a job. And so if you like the this, it's the same thing. Like if if you can get yourself to a position where like that may that may give you an advantage, then go ahead and try to take it. If not, then you go a different route. But once like once I got there, they have programs that are set up for internships. Like that's part of what you have to do at the journalism school is get a summer internship um, and or get one. I should say not a summer one within the actual school year. But then what what I was doing while I was at college, and I think the tough part for some people is they don't realize this until after. And then you have to go go about that whole path of trying to apply somewhere. And you're competing with a stack of resumes that's, you know, a thousand high. Uh, Let's say if if an internship pops up for the Lakers, right, you're going to get a lot of kids throughout the country that are all putting the resume in. So one thing that I was trying to figure out was how can I send my stuff out to people and basically pitch a job or pitch an idea or pitch right. an internship um, so that I'm the, the one resume that they're getting and they don't even know that they want this. They don't even know that they need this. And that was part of it. And so, but like once, but once for me, once I had that level of experience in college, then I used the first internship that I got to get the second. And it, it all builds like that, right? It has to, it's like with your podcast and when you write or with Darius and his website, and I became familiar with Darius because it was just really good. He was he was kind of one of the first guys that was writing analysis that I hadn't that like sounded like a coach or somebody that was on the Lakers staff to some extent. And I was like, who is who's this guy and what was Darius's background? So we can we can ask him next time that we have him on. And you've kind of blazed your own trail that way, too. How did you get this level of expertise? Right. 
with uh, with X's and O's and with basketball. And so that all came from somewhere. And then you had to put it out there. My expertise was with the actual journalism path. Right. So I got to be I got a, a pretty good level of expertise from that early. And then I was able to branch out and to go to other uh, publications and sources and stuff like that. But my MBA job, I just pitched like nobody was doing it in right. 2006. I was like, hey, uh, Timberwolves. And I sent my resume to I, I had an internship with the Ravens and I sent my resume with a bunch of clips. And like I put together a little video reel of here, let me back up. So the only internships they had were PR internships. They okay. didn't have content internships. And I said, hey, can I do the PR internship during the day? But then after work, can I stay and just do journalism stuff? And they were like, okay. <laughs> this so is I, it right here. This, if you want to get ahead, please keep going. Cause this right here is super important advice to, if you're trying to, and I think it's applicable across various industries that, that like do the thing that they, that your bosses are looking for you to do, but have a side hustle, even if it's within your main hustle of spend that extra time to do what you want and start creating the things that you want. You don't have to ask anyone else's permission because and even when you do, they're going to be like, uh, yeah, if you want to do extra work for us, totally. But that's how you can kind of create that niche. I'd love to hear more about that. Well, and that's, that's where I have so much respect for, for your path. And I think it's harder to do it your way. Like I had, I had all of the traditional things uh, at my, uh, in my favor um, as it, as it went along, whereas you had to find some way to stand out amongst everybody else. Uh, that was looking for this. So, but I, so I got the, I, I used the stuff at college to help me get the internship uh, with the Ravens, even though the last thing that I wanted to do was PR. And it was honestly, it was a tricky agreement to even come to. And I don't, I think sometimes it's, it's, if you take a job and it's here's, here are the characteristics, some bosses aren't going to want you to be like, Oh, by the way, can I also do this? The thing sure. that I want to do. So you have to sure. be careful with that balance too. Like all of this stuff is delicate, but they were, they, I happened to find a, there was a boss there that was just super cool. And they were like, yeah, nobody's doing that really on our website. They had a guy that was doing kind of AP. Like some teams had AP story type writers where they would just do a game recap, but nobody was covering the team. Like uh, my whole thing was, I was really influenced by Bill Simmons, early Bill Simmons. And it's like, Hey, he's doing running diaries. He's doing um, pop culture references he's doing like the inner and i i kind of put that into how can i do interviews with players that are fun and behind the scenes and so that was the stuff i tried to bring all of that to an actual team as opposed to because they were definitely doing that at espn right they were definitely doing that at some other websites and i was like hey why don't you guys let me do this internally and the ravens were like sure i used those clips i sent them to probably 30 teams with the within the nba and the nfl and my hometown team happened to uh, to the Timberwolves were like, sure, okay, I guess. Like we don't, there's not much money here for that. But if you want to come be the website guy, um, go ahead. And they just, I got there and they just let me do what I wanted. Uh, so I, I had to get my own camera. I had to edit it myself. I had to get my own. Uh, I had to figure out how to learn uh, HTML basically, which I didn't know anything about. And I just produ- I just produced as much content as I could for the Wolves. And then la- led to the Lakers eventually, um, thanks to Ty Nowell and, and Nick Kioski and, and uh, Tim Harris, the ultimate big boss. And so that that was the that was basically what I did. And I, I know there are some as as much Pete as we've talked about the differences. I, there I know there are some similarities into your path and just figuring out uh, something that nobody was doing, and then like getting enough people behind it that you were able to push that forward. So that's the trick, right? Is how do you come up with an idea that nobody else is doing and the way to do that is to look inward, right? Like we all have a certain, 
let's just use basketball because that's the the arena that we're talking about here. But I think this is applicable in in a lot of areas. Is that I have a particular relationship with basketball. Some of it's really insightful. Some of it's dumb. Some of it's really biased. But it's mine. All of it is mine. And a lot of times when I when I talk to people that are trying to come up in in the industry. One of the bits of advice that I give them is to look inward, and it's counterintuitive to look inward at your relationship with basketball because your desire, what you want is a job. You want – like how do I get hired? How do I make money covering the sport that I love? And when your mindset is in that place, you can be geared toward, okay, what is everybody like and and try to be like, oh, this is working for this person. This is working over here and try to try to copy it. And so – what you're saying, like you can be influenced by Bill Simmons, but there has to be some degree of internal, like, I want to do this. Like I'm, I feel, I feel a fire toward doing this type of content. And so when I started LFR, it was something for my own amusement. I was running a psychological practice, running the business aspect of it. And, uh, kind of bored, really missing basketball. I was in a little converted closet <laughs> that was just barely enough space for me. That was my little office. And from my coaching background, from from coaching high school ball, I just wish that the Lakers were kind of covered in that way a little bit. And I just thought it would be interesting to, what if we really zoomed in on different elements of the team rather than this more broader overview type of way of looking at it. And there were some existing basketball accounts, right? But they were more general rather than specific to a team. That was yeah. something too, where I, you know, this is so opposite of the conventional way of doing it, but I've never, I've always worn my biases on my sleeve, right? Where like, I'm, I'm a huge Laker fan. I'm telling you that upfront. I am not unbiased. I am not uh, objective. This is, I'm coming from, from this place. So just so you're informed within that, but the commonality is skill building, whether it's going your path, Northwestern Journalism School, the if you want to get in this business, your story is as like you do this, then you do that, then you do this as as possible. But what you did is you got that camera, you figured out how to edit, you figured out how to the different components of it. And Mike, as you know, there's all sorts of even your voice, like my voiceovers have gotten better over the years. You're always building on your skills rather than focusing on the job, that if you're just continuing to get better, and there's so many different elements to this to get better at, that eventually you wake up one day and you're like, hey, I'm actually not bad at this. But it's from looking inward at what is my relationship with the game? And then the meat and potatoes of that, the chop wood carry water of that is, okay, how do I how do I do dissolves? How do I do a still frame? How do I highlight properly? How do I scrub so that this this scene this angle transitions to this angle nicely. It's all this really meticulous detail work that if you don't like that, you're going to cut corners. But you got so you got to have a fire and a passion for the skill building. But that's the commonality. And that okay, and that's the great metaphor too for life in general. And that's where to me sports and why I've always been attracted to sports since I was a kid is because it is this pure arena where we can have all of these emotions without the consequences of like for example, I. I of course, we just keep talking about it. I went to journalism school. I could have gone and tried to um, cover war zones. Like I, I know some people that go to Iraq and Afghanistan and like that is real reporting that has real consequences where you can get, you know, kidnapped 
and and like put yourself your actual life at risk to try and tell important stories about governments and about systemic uh, global failures and like that that's the extreme end of it and then so for me it's like i get to do this in sports so i i have to be able to have fun with it and i don't want it to feel like work and so that's where i think people that are listening to this podcast have that shared passion that we do for basketball but everybody has multiple passions and so all of the things that you were just talking about you can apply to the thing that you love doing. And I think it's what I always, the thing that where I hesitate a little bit is that it is easier for me to say that because it has so far worked out towards what my plan was and that's never guaranteed. And so I never feel that sense of, I always have an appreciation that especially covering this team, you know, that's, that's something that a lot of people would want to do. And I don't take it for granted, but I think that the work that you put into it, which is what you've done with LFR and what I've tried to do is it's uh it's it's rewarding in that i like to be able to do it and if i if i have to tell my wife at night like i i actually have to watch this game like i had to watch sons uh game one against the bucks last night but it was a pleasure to watch it for me so like that's and that was the plan so what what is the thing that you like to do can you figure out how to monetize it because eventually we all have to get paid at least something you know to uh to pay the bills and if you can't get it at the time, no problem. Like you can, and this isn't to say Pete that you couldn't have done this right away, but get a, get a nine to five job, get whatever job you can like maximize what that is. And then use your free time uh, to keep building something on the side of it. And who knows, maybe that turns into the thing in five years. Maybe it takes 10 years, maybe it takes 15, but you've made more money up to that point than I did my first several years where I think my first job was like 24 grand. Or, or something like that. And that was after five internships that were basically unpaid or just, you know, like a stipend. So like all of that, you can still get to the, the spot in the end where you want to be. And even if you can't, then guess what? You just get to watch a lake and have a few drinks, you know, pop on the podcast and just enjoy it that way. Like it doesn't have to be your obsession like it is Pete's or like it is mine. So that that's that's part of it, too. Well, if you're if it is your obsession on some level, lean into it. Let's take a quick break and I want to come back and continue this conversation. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm big on following where your heart is pulling you. And I think social media really changed the, I think it changed sports coverage forever. So, so yes, I'm big on following what you're pulled toward. I want to give a shout out to an upcoming uh, content creator. He's putting together videos with David Portillo on just kind of clowning NBA Twitter. And so, for example, when a team gets knocked out, his version of gone fishing is the Coach Carter send-offs. And, you know, Kawhi has a certain storyline and Paul George. And it's fun. It's good-natured. It's good-hearted. And that right there, it is because there's such a broad audience and we can reach everyone, It's sports coverage is becoming increasingly more niche content, right? And that I, if you're pulled in a certain direction – you see me retweeting Jack Perkins all the time, who's a the wonderful artist that you see kind of documenting these playoffs and was for the Lakers. He's a, a big Laker fan. I'd love to have a, him on a pod one of these days and do like an art and basketball type of thing. And that's that's what it comes down to. I saw this great Netflix show on the art of invention, right? Like the idea of how does in, inventing something happen? And it's actually fairly simple is you take two existing things that have never really been put together and you've got, you create something new. And that's something where, because we're so interconnected, we can reach everybody and we don't need even an organization to reach a fan base. That's something, one of my philosophies in building LFR has been that the fans are my bosses. I've never really worried about what company is looking to hire me because if I have a following and if if I treat the fans as my bosses, there's going to be interest on that level, right? And so it's so easy to be like, oh, I hope somebody hires me. But if you are able to build credibility within a fan base, people will be calling you. And so uh, you got a cat that ate the canary look on your face. No, Mike. it's just this is the this is the contrast right between us, which which like right. is which I think is is beautiful in some ways. But I'm I've always been kind of the opposite, right? Where I've I've been kind of on the traditional side of it where I do have to think about bosses and like the brand and what I say. And then uh, like I'm is I, I always but I still agree with you, like the fans are the most important aspect of that. But having worked for the Lakers and having worked at ESPN um, and Spectrum, like there's there's a part of the freedom that you've had over the years that like I really enjoy. But then there's also there are some benefits and perks on my side of it, which you now absolutely as a fellow Lakers employee. Have, and part of that is being there, like being on the plane. So there, there's there's a trade off. So within like within what we do and now you being an employee, right, like you're getting some of the senses of some of the sense of of the perks of it. And then also there are parts where it's not that you necessarily have to peel, have to pull back. You just have to almost mm-hmm. say something a different way. Like, I, so I've always, I've always, as somebody that works for the team, but somebody who went to journalism school, I've always wanted to push back against people that say, oh, he's just works for the team. You know what he's going to say? Like either, so either I'm a Laker homer or whatever it is. And I've always tried to be like, well, but just, if you can just take what I write and what I say, I think, I, I hope at least that you will see that I'm not biased 
Um, and, and now maybe that's ignoring the there's a there's a there's a certain part of that that's always going to come across. But like I look at it as I can be very critical of my brother, you know, or of my best friends. Like there's a just because of me being there doesn't mean that I want to be dishonest in the way that I'm describing something because I think Laker fans are too smart for that. So it's always there's always a song and dance, and I don't know if that's evolved for you since you started working with us. Um, on the team, because I still think you basically say the same things. It's just sometimes there there may be a story that you and I have to wait until it becomes official. But it's not like my opinion about what I'm going to say about that is going to change much. It's just like it may just be the way that I word it is a little different. But the real ones kind of know what we're saying anyway, I think. Or at least right. I you have to maintain your credibility. And that's something that is important to me and, and been something I've thought of a ton with when there are a couple of things I was worried about when I got the Lakers gig of there was one like I'm I'm big on my work environment. And sometimes that like. All right. So the Lakers dream job, my dream job, obviously. What if I don't like it here? Like what if I have problems with my bosses, my coworkers. Not every work environment is because it is a work environment. That's one thing that I've learned from working with the team is it's it is similar to other jobs in a lot of different respects. Thankfully, I'm very happy on that front, but that was a big worry of mine. I was like, gosh, what if I don't actually like the people I'm working with? Anyway, that that worked out great. But the other thing is is like, how am I going to criticize a team? They are my employer, and that's something that the way I've resolved that is that I will always stay true to the basketball and I, I will never say something that I don't believe. The one thing that it's altered is I might not shine as bright of a light on the things that, that bother me. Right. And that's more a Twitter thing. I've, I've tweeted a lot less since I've gotten the Lakers gig and there's a lot less of like this stupid MF right? Like when I used to, as a fan mid game, kind of my emotional mid game tweets, I, I, I don't do that anymore. But it all comes back to, again, what direction are you looking in? And to tie this back to aspiring content creators is I can't analyze the reaction. I can't analyze toward reaction. I have to watch the game. And if you stay on the court, it's actually fairly safe territory. If you just talk the basketball yes. and you you argue it in good faith. Yes. And to me, that's that's where – there are a lot of like Nikias Duncan is doing wonderful work. Uh, Caitlin Cooper, who covers the Indiana Pacers. A lot of people over the last few years have zoomed in even more on the game. Cranjus, of course, that are really digging into the, the on-court stuff. And I think that's a lot of the future of coverage in ways where you can still be a biased fan. But if you're staying true to the basketball, you can tell truth with, within that in ways that if it's if you're simply sticking to narrative, it's a lot more difficult. Yeah. And, and it's also it's just part of it is so simple and that it's not just watching uh, the games, but like whether whether like in my sense, like the fact that I can be there, I can talk to T, I can talk to the players and I can talk to the coaches and I can get some of that perspective. That's all fine. But the difference to me between like what I might say or what I might tweet is if a guy has a bad game, if somebody struggles and is four for 20 from the field, I can just say player X struggled and was four for 20 from the field. If uh, unfiltered, you might get somebody that just, this guy sucked. He was awful today. He was terrible, right? Like all of that kind of, so it's still, you're still just observing what happened on the basketball court and then sharing it and then sharing, here's what the head coach had to say about it. Here's what LeBron had to say about it. That's important because X. Here's what LeBron had to say about it, but then here's a little context behind it. And I try to do the same thing if I'm doing a sideline report where 
okay, so here's what happened. But hopefully in the way that I say it, I'm, I'm bringing at least a little bit of analysis to it that is probably different in this year and last season than it was my first year where I was really hesitant. My, like when I first joined the team, I was hesitant to bring a real basketball opinion after when Phil Jackson would say something, Kobe Bryant would say something. So my first couple of months, it was like, here's what they said. Okay. That like, and now I think that I've learned some, and you've always been really good at this, but here's what they're saying. And here's the context with it without taking too many liberties to it. But that's the part of it where it can evolve. I think Pete, where they, these are basket, these are all time basketball geniuses that we're fortunate enough to cover in the Lakers. Again, go from just for me going from Phil and Kobe and Powell and Derek Fisher up through today with LeBron Rondo last year, you know, uh, Frank Vogel, like these, these people that really know the game and that's helped us know the game. And I think it's why it's part of what's helped you and Darius is that you watched magic freaking Johnson play basketball in the eighties. And that just made you smarter. It, it just, it had to. And I think that's why Laker fans are smarter because they've seen some of the best play and they've seen some of the best talk about it and they've heard it and they've watched it. And, and like all of that, I think is, is a gain. And you, and you can't, like if you call that part of the Laker exceptionalism part, like, well, it's true. So I agree, but a little twist, I, I view it a little bit differently. Magic watching magic may have, made me smarter about basketball on some level but watching magic johnson made me fall in love with basketball mm. and that's what the really the in this day and age especially the ability to pursue unconventional routes toward your chosen profession and i think this goes outside of basketball there are so many different there are so many different paths to it now where you can really follow your heart and be like, this is what I like about basketball. And so like watching magic was something that made me fall in love with it in a way to where I would dive into it for several hours. And that is what made me learn more about basketball, but it's, it's more that initial spark and that initial love that I think is more important than ever in terms of making it quote unquote, and being able to get to a certain point, because that is what fuels like, even our jobs are awesome and 90% of it is fairly boring, mundane, meticulous work that isn't particularly sexy or exciting. You just have to plug away at it and do the work. And it's that underlying love and passion for it that really fuels the desire to, and then, and then yeah. like that pride of like, Oh, I'm a little better at this now. Josh Williams, our guy, Josh, I'm so much of a better Legend. editor because of Josh. Love Josh. Right. Legend. Josh is, is great. Tor- yeah. Shout out to Joey is also a legend. And Joey, of course, yes. But that that to me, Mike, is that it's it's listening to Chick and watching Magic and growing up with Dr. Buss, and Dr. Buss's ethos still permeates over the organization. And I think that that's something that Jeannie has expressed a few times is that like she views herself as a steward of that legacy. And she's put her own twist on it too that I that I really have a lot of respect for. But I think that when it comes to when it comes to uh, content creation going forward, we come from very different perspectives, Mike, and di- different backgrounds, I would say. What would your advice be to somebody that is starting that journalism school route? Or maybe I can speak to more of that unconventional path. Yeah, so that to, that could, to circle back with where things started, things have evolved now in 2021. And like when I came up, even at journalism school, it was here are the three paths, broadcast, magazine, or newspaper. You had to actually pick one. 
And so I picked broadcast. And so I did, instead of writing for the school newspaper, I worked at the school TV station. And my co-anchor, uh, some of you may know it was Randy Scott, uh, who's who's now at Sports Center. He's a great guy. Like, we're still close friends. But so he and I had our little show that we would do once a week. And we would, you know, I had, I, since I played soccer there, I happened to get to know a lot of the athletes pretty well because all, all the student athletes have to go for all these, um, which are really, in, in hindsight, like quite dumb, but these meetings about at the time it's gambling blah 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 all of these like well, here's what it is to be a student athlete so i got to be friends so i could just call my buddies on the football team or the basketball team we'd have somebody come in so we were doing some you know bastardized version of sports center like that's what we thought we were doing so i i got sure. a lot of yeah kind of training in that in that realm now today just look at all of the different forms of media now we just talked about pete's path we like, we are doing we are on a podcast Okay, as we're doing, which was not invented um, at the time when I was in journalism school. And uh, I I am not, I know what TikTok is. Okay, like I, I that is not, <laughs> I am already now a dinosaur in terms of that. Yeah. Like I can at least understand it, you. you know, but so there are all of these up and coming ways. To, and, and the part of me thinks about, okay, I probably should, I think I created the TikTok account. I probably should verse myself a little better in this. What can I bring to this? Like it's not going to be dancing. But maybe there's some element that I can bring with my level of reporting or analysis or whatever that I can put on that platform to engage the next uh, the, the the people that are more in that space or people that now have their their own uh, their Instagram account that they can go live with a friend and they can just talk about the Lakers and, and trust me I know there are a lot of a lot of younger people that are doing this that are, that are great because they I I know because they send them to me um, and I'm able to see some of this stuff so it's it's kind of figuring out what is the, like my path was very clear because I saw what Bob Costas and the, again, these are the guys that's very top of it, but your aspirational type, you know, the people that you look up to, to do it. And now I just have to think that is wholly different, but it doesn't change. Like I did a, it was career day at my kid's school the other day. And so we had to record a video and it's like trying to describe what your, your career is. And so for me, for journalism, guess what? It's still about reading, writing, communication like so real basic like english class history class knowledge of multiple things in in multiple different areas and then applying that to your to your passion which in my case was sports but like it's still about the journalism that to me is still about whether or not you're good at it it's still about that work so that's the stuff that you have to get good at first then you figure out what platform you put it out on whether it's that's right. IG or TikTok or online or and I've tried to get better at all of them um, at, at speaking, at writing. And so that to me is still what the what the uh, what the roost is. And if I don't know if you heard in the background. Um, <laughs> so as we're recording this podcast, I just heard one of my uh, one of my sons uh, whisper because they're trying to be quiet because I know I'm doing a podcast. Mommy, I have to go poop. So, <laughs> so, and, and, got and this day and age, that's part of the podcast experience. Right? I mean, if you're you once in a while, you hear one of my dogs. Yeah, yeah you yeah. know what I'm saying. So it's just we've come we've come a long way with it. But <laughs> I would just say, like, go go to the journalism aspect first, and then you can add the rest of the stuff along the side. But that's still, I think, like that's what helped me. That in part of the journalism is communication with people about trying to get jobs. Which part of that? That's it's, right. it's writing you know, emails and having yours stand out a certain way. It's, it's the way that you compose the pieces that you put in that. So it's all of those things. But if you, if you become an expert and become really good at the craft, just like 
that I think, which is a lot of what Laker film room is about. Uh, and this is not speaking about myself. This is Pete. Uh, and then Darius, like the craft, right. Is what sells it, I think. And, and that, that's the part of it. Then you, then, then you figure out how to distribute it. That's exactly it. And the distribution, that's what fundamentally changed with the introduction of social media is the distribution networks. And because I, I could always reach fans directly and I don't need to write at a certain place or make videos at a certain place to reach fans directly. Now you have to learn how to promote and you have to learn how to brand and do all these things to get your message out. But the first thing you got to do is create is the craft is, is to focus on the product. And that's so two bits of advice. One, you don't need an institution. That's still a viable path, but it's just not the only path or one of the few paths the way that it used to be. And since you don't need anybody else, that's the main message is if you're trying to create and you're trying to build a business for yourself, the next generation, everybody's going to be a small business owner in some degree or or another or a, a huge portion of, of the population. And because those distribution networks have changed, you can reach your customers directly on a worldwide scale. And so it becomes a matter of focusing on the work and focusing on the craft. Like you said, the principles are the same, even though we come from such different places. You focus on the journalism first. In a lot of ways, there's a lot of overlap between the journalism principles that that you were taught and the ones that coming from my place that I have to be good at in order to for my work to be credible and for people to to take it seriously. And so follow your passion toward whatever it is. Figure out your relationship with basketball or whatever uh, arena that you're looking to work in. Niche content is where it's at going forward. There's going to be all sorts of versions that never existed before. We're just scratching the surface, whether that's on TikTok or anywhere else. And Pete, what's what's I what I, I like about what you just said too is that I don't know where your teaching came from that, but like part of my teaching, like the ethics of it and the like the fairness, you know, the mm-hmm. uh, the kind of compassion in it, like that that to me, those are big principles of journalism that sometimes aren't discussed as much but it does come out i think in coverage and in like fairness in its own right is a is to me a super important part of what like we're trying to figure out how to be fair in the last pod with what we're thinking about the bucks and the suns regardless of what we may have wanted to happen and like that to me is such a baseline principle of journalism whether you go to a traditional journalism school or whether you whether you don't wherever that sense of uh came from from you right it's still it's the same spirit of something uh, that I, that I think is important, and that's just one aspect of it. So, this is so important that you bring that up because operating in good faith, there are there are a lot of, in my opinion, there are a lot of grifters in the sports coverage realm, right? Or people who are very good at exalting themselves in, and in very anything. good at selling yeah, themselves in anything, in anything for sure, for sure. But it's also, but I think it's conducive to like a personality, right? Somebody whose personality is entertaining or engaging, and in some ways they use sports as uh, to to lift them up rather than the opposite where I think that it becomes more important if you're going that unconventional route to really honor and serve the sport, because that's, that's why that's what we all share is a love of the Lakers, for example. And if people are, if someone's watching your content, there needs to be some underlying love, but also operating in good faith, that objectivity, that certain degree of like, this is somebody that's not BSing me. And 
building that that trust and credibility, in, even if that person's wrong, right? I'm wrong all the time, but I think people generally know that I'm operating in good faith and that I do the work and that this is really important to me. And I think that that is an essential ingredient. I'm really glad you brought that up uh, with respect to how you cover it from whatever direction you, you come from. We could talk about this for, uh, we could go on and on. There's so many different elements of this and perhaps over time we will uh, have other pods like this. But anyway, I hope this was helpful to uh, people who are trying to make it in this industry or others. If you have any questions, I at least uh, hit me up on Twitter. And uh, if you're working through your path of getting to where you want to be, I'm happy to be a resource. That's that's really important to me is to help people kind of reach their dreams and we can also do that's that could be a perfect time for like a next mailbag uh right too if, if you guys have any we can do a one directly following up on that um if you guys do have any questions uh and and again like i, I just like pete always happy to uh, to discuss to whatever level you guys want on that I, I love that. Let's definitely do a mailbag specifically on that. All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening to kind of a different pod from, from our perspective. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, we will be back next week. Uh, but until then, you've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. Baines has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic got it. Magic fires. It's in. And the Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. Van Exel to win it. It's on the way. Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. Jack with his eighth block shot that ties an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans sticking around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Are you kidding me? Unreal! Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two, one. Listen! Unbelievable. It's over. Shot clock now to five. Bryant. Yes! with a little tap to Albert Gentry. That insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.